Welcome to the Growing With Purpose podcast. I'm Paul Spiegelman, and we're going behind the scenes with very special leaders, learning about what shaped them into who they are in business and in life. for today's episode comes from Ruby Receptionists. Ruby's live remote receptionists and proprietary technology are your solution to delivering excellent customer service experiences by answering live calls in English or Spanish, transferring calls, taking messages, addressing common questions, or making outbound calls for you. Most importantly, they sound like they're sitting in your office. To learn more, visit callruby.com or better yet, call us at 855 255 Ruby. My guest today is Webb Wyman. Webb is the executive director of Jump, a nonprofit whose mission is to help seniors achieve what's left on their bucket list. He actually left a lucrative career in Hollywood to follow his passion. Welcome, Webb. Paul, wonderful to be here, and thanks for uh, this wonderful opportunity. Well, I got to say, just in all transparency, uh, you're the brother of uh, my, who was my best friend for many years through college and after that, who unfortunately passed away, your brother while at the age of, uh, the, the young age of 40 and uh, uh, from cancer. And uh, uh, I just had such a wonderful relationship with your family. You and I reconnected recently, and I just was so uh, inspired by what you're doing now around jump that uh, I said I got to have web on my podcast so I'm just so so uh, grateful to talk to you and reconnect with you uh, tell me about jump uh, what what is it and and how did you guys get started uh, jump is a, a nonprofit organization that helps seniors achieve what's left on their bucket list and inspire seniors to reach for their dreams. So we basically work in two areas. We do what uh, I initially said. We actually help fulfill these bucket list wishes. But then we also like to highlight uh, certain individuals, super seniors who are living extraordinary lifestyles who could potentially inspire the lives of others. And uh, we find fascination in both, inspiration in both, uh, motivation across the board. Uh, I will give you an example. One of the first stories we did was a uh, the Grant Avenue Follies out of San Francisco, and they are a senior female Chinese dance troupe mm-hmm. that travels the country and uh, performs for vets and the disabled in a lot of senior living communities and uh, senior centers. And we just thought that was such a wonderful story. And uh, when I go into senior living communities and I show what we call our videos or jump episodes, uh, there are, you know, there are people out there who didn't know, uh, you know, that they could still be, dancing or there are people their age traveling the country, putting on shows. So it's really, you know, this organization is really built on the inspiration and the moments that, uh, that we collect along the way. 
Now, when you talk senior, is there uh, a certain age range that you're looking at? Uh, I could probably be considered a senior. <laughs> so, uh, uh, is it people that are elderly, or what? You know, wh- who are the kind of people that you're trying to reach? Uh, our focus are specifically those living in isolation or at low income levels. Mm. And we are definitely equal opportunity. We do not say no to anyone. We've had individuals uh, as young as their early 60s. Um, but we we really, uh, we get grants, we are funded, and it's important for us to be able to uh, help those who can't provide for themselves. Now, what are some examples of some of the activities that you've done with these seniors? We, uh, I I love that question because it ties into what I was talking about earlier with the senior living communities. And I think what being that I've probably visited about 24 states and spoken in about, I don't know, 60 to 70 different senior living communities, uh, we kind of pick up where they leave off. So if you enter a senior living community, they have their traditional uh, art classes, dance classes, uh, those sorts of things. And we take it maybe one or two steps above that. The first recipient went skydiving on her 90th birthday, and that was Estelle Eisenberg down in Carlsbad. Uh, everyone has their reason. Estelle actually one had just lost her husband and she wanted to go up so she could feel closer to her mm-hmm. late husband, which was pretty amazing. About two months later, I went back to do my first presentation ever uh, to show the jump episode of Estelle uh, fulfilling her dream. And the sweet petite gal, Edna Baldwin, and when I say sweet petite, she's about four or five and with her wig about five one. <laughs> and, uh, two weeks before her 92nd birthday, we got her behind the wheel of a 550 horsepower NASCAR sanctioned race car at the Toyota Speedway in Irwindale, California. Uh, the, the really amazing thing about this particular bucket list was that Edna needed not one, not two, but three pillows to actually see over the dash. <laughs> wow. Uh, incredible. Uh, obviously, um, life-changing experiences for them um, and brought you a lot of pride. But, Webb, why do you do this? What what inspired you to create Jump? Well, uh, I, I'm, I think it's really – it's – kind of twofold about, let me start with how I got started. And I think you had touched upon, um, what happened with your best friend and my brother, uh, while, and, uh, unfortunately I've dealt with a lot of death in my family. My mom passed in 88, uh, after a 10 year bout with cancer and my father, uh, passed in 2010, uh, with, uh, after battling Parkinson's and heart disease. So in nine, shortly after my mom passed in 1988, my father would be sitting in his darkened bedroom, rocking back and forth for days on end. Now, 
at the time, I knew very little about what isolation was, especially having your own parent living in isolation under the privacy of your own roof. So I knew I had to take action and I really wasn't sure what to do, but I finally decided to do what I thought any good son in my situation would do, which is to steal my mother's phone book from my two sisters and to get my father a date. (laughs) And those dates led to marriage where he got to witness six grandkids being brought into the world. Uh, It's a story I never get tired of telling because my father got a new lease on life and I got the inspiration I needed to start Jump. I remember those years. Actually, I just kind of got chills thinking about it. And, and uh, you know, first, what, what struck me about your family, too, was the, your family was a big family, all with very interesting names, by the way, uh, oh. st- starting with your folks. But uh, I remember uh, playing tennis with Weil, and you guys were the most active, healthy family. And to be struck with this level of uh, um disease in, in your family uh, was really just uh, something and so, so unusual. And that uh, and I remember when your dad um, did get remarried and uh, and literally his his life just blossomed. I, I just can think back to the trips he went on um, with his second wife and just uh, so active skiing and doing all, all this kind of stuff. But I really never heard that you're the one that sparked that by, you know, stealing your mom's phone book and say, and, and getting him out of the house. Well, yeah, I, um, I really haven't spoken about this in a while. Uh, but you got to realize that my, my sisters were, you know, rightfully so they were mourning the loss of my mom. Um, they were very, very close with both parents and, as two daughters would be, like Hannah and her sisters, they were super protective of my father. Now, I was living away from the home in uh, Westwood, and I just realized that I cannot, you know, I'm looking at my father, and I thought to myself, there's got to be life beyond the rocking chair. And all I had to do was prove to him Uh, that there was. And I take that same philosophy into each senior living community that I go into, because there's not only rocking chairs, there are people on, you know, in walkers, there are people on breathing machines. I mean, it is the same mindset that I had when I opened the door at 2 p.m. every day and the lights were off. And I'm thinking, absolutely, this is no life for anyone, let alone my dad. And uh, I will tell you, I never forget those moments. And I, I greatly appreciate you taking me back to that because, you know, life is so hectic now and so many things are going on that you do forget. But I will segue into your next question on why I do this. And I think my life has really been filled with moments And if I fast forward to my experience with Jump, uh, we recently took a woman um, from Winona, Minnesota. She had her husband, who had just passed, was a truck driver 
for 30 years. And it was her bucket list wish to go driving in an 18 wheeler. Mm-hmm. And we, we made that happen. It was actually one of the most uh, highly publicized uh, stories we've done. Uh, but I want to also actually bring in what we just completed a couple of months ago in Tucson, Arizona, where I was contacted by Norma Bartley, whose mother-in-law was turning 90 and it was her lifelong dream to own a purple Harley Davidson. (laughs) Now, Mary Bartley, the mother, uh, grew up in the depression, raised a family, faced a lot of hardship and was never able to own a purple Harley, but she was able to ride a few in her younger days. Actually, she drove uh, Harley Davidson's with her friends, but it had been many years since she had been on one. So as difficult as it was trying to coordinate this, trying to find a purple Harley in Tucson was was something that I thought, okay, well, if anyone's got a shot at it, I think I'd like to take that shot. We were successful. We found a trike, a purple trike, and it was one of the most remarkable days. And I, I'm I'm leading up to a phone call that I got three days ago from her daughter-in-law, who initially reached out to me, which was Norma Bartley. Norma told me, and by the way, I'm sorry, this was in October, and the phone call came three days ago mm-hmm. uh, in uh, mid-March. And she said, I just want you to know that – my mother-in-law was just diagnosed with terminal cancer and we just want to let you know that the video we watch day in and day out that the experience and that life-changing moment will forever be in the lives of us our children and our grandchildren and how much it meant to mary so I'm, I'm sorry, just, uh, it, it was, it was such an intense moment. I guess what I'm getting at is that more than anything, and I think I said this before, it's the moment they land from skydiving. It's the moment they step out of the truck or the race car or the motorcycle. It's to, it's, to see the passion in their eyes and feel the gratitude in their hearts. And all I could tell you, uh, this is a passion project. It's just a nonprofit made up of a lot of moments. And I think those are the moments that I have taken with me since my mom and dad and brother were alive to the moment right now where I'm speaking with you. Mm, Incredible. Uh, you know, it makes me think about some of these people and and uh, how you got to imagine everyone at really every stage in our life. We have dreams, we have bucket lists, and and you're getting to people that uh, really nobody else is getting to. I've honestly never heard of anything, an organization like this, and and what you've done. And um, how do people hear about you? How do you get the word out? Uh, to others so they know that jump is available to them or someone in their family. Maybe about three years ago, uh, I was contacted by Telemundo and they wanted us to partner up with them, uh, and help Mariano 
Altieri at 78 years old drive a car. The only difference was Mariano is legally blind. It was our first national televised spot. The entire story was in Spanish, except for me, who came on, (laughs) you know, some English. And I said, after it was all over, I said to the reporter, I said, how did you even find us? And she said, well, I went online and there is no one like you that I could find. And I was so touched by that. You know, there is make a wish, which people do confuse with jump, but make a wish is for people who are basically on their way out. And we try to cater to those of sound mind and body. So we have gained, um, quite a big following throughout the country by the different stories we've done around the country. But really it comes from, uh, when I do, when I do the presentations at senior living community communities, the social workers that we meet across the country who will volunteer or put in a good word. Uh, it is the pub it's the publicity that we get from newscasts or from periodicals, so we were we were in Costco connection uh, of all places, and I was contacted by a gentleman out of Brooklyn, uh, New York, whose mother is legally blind and has had a lifelong dream of wanting to play the violin. Well, that was a bit of a challenge, but we will hopefully be making that happen later this year. And you. Paul, I, I'll tell you, I mean, even when that phone rings, it's a moment. You just never know who's going to call or where they're going to call from or where this, you know, where this inspiration is going to come from and where it's going to end. So I wish I could tell you it was someplace specific, but it, it seems like we get a little bit of everything. Well, uh, I hope that this podcast and, and anything we can do can help spread the word for what you guys are doing. It's incredible. What's the website for listeners that want to check it out? It's myjump.org. It's myjump.org. And you can click on the page that says Jump Episodes, and those will be four to six minute vignettes that capture each, uh, you know, each story. And, um, we also have a page called Super Senior Lifestyles, which also tells the story of the Grand Avenue Follies or Harry Cohen, who is kind of like a modern day Picasso uh, doing art, this incredible art at 93 years old up in his treehouse near San Francisco. So we we try to capture it all. And, um, you know, Paul, honestly, more than anything, at least for me, Uh, What's important is to stay relevant. And by that, I mean, we don't want to have 20 seniors jumping out of a plane. We want to show seniors how many options they have. And we do that by staying relevant and trying to come up with the stories uh, that we haven't done before. Later this year, we'll be taking a gal up in the Goodyear blimp. And uh, we're taking our first African-American participant and her nephew up uh, hot air ballooning. Uh, we're taking a retired uh, uh, fire uh, fireman back to help put out a contained fire. So these are just three of uh, the things that are on our plate right now. But as each year progresses, we we uh, surprisingly just get busier and busier. Webb, when you think about these centers that you have visited. And uh, you look at 
all of these seniors, any of which could be candidates for your program. What what do you think about uh, in the sense that uh, they may not have someone, a son like you or a daughter that will step up and um, take action? And do you feel like there's more that that those of us that have elderly parents could be doing um, to help our parents uh, in those later years in life, whether it's participating in programs like yours uh, or just simply paying more attention. Because I I just have this sense of that isolation that you described first with your dad, but you've got to see every day in the work that you do. What can we do as children of, of seniors to pay more attention? I'd like to start off by uh, citing one example, if you don't mind. Uh, And I'm doing this to pay tribute uh, to one of our recipients who passed uh, maybe less about a month ago. And um, her name is Lois Goodman. And at 96 years young, she made and delivered over 400 blankets and delivered them to homeless shelters uh, and uh, children's hospitals in the Twin Cities, Minnesota area. And I bring that up for a couple of reasons. Number one, at, you know, in her early 90s, she thought to herself, I'm not done. You know, there is more that I want to do. I'm obviously limited, but what I could do. So she, her daughter, um, decided that uh, she was going to teach her mom how to do blanketing. Now, I bring this up because not only was the daughter involved, but the the son, Bruce Goodman, who also lives in Minnesota, uh, was out there as her mom, as his mother made the blankets, he was the one who delivered them to uh, uh, the homeless shelters. And, you know, you talk about a family affair between Sue Rappaport, who is the daughter, and Bruce Goodman, who's the son, they are, I don't know how to paint a better picture of two children who stepped up for their mother and said, whatever whatever it takes, we're going to help get it done. Uh, I, I hope that cites a, cites a good example because it's one more of those instances, Paul, that will stay with me uh, for the rest of my life. And I hope it's stories like that, that inspire other children to reach out to their parents and their grandparents and say, you know what, these could be some of the best years of your life. And what could we do to help? And, uh, hopefully, you know, our website tells enough great stories to where it provides inspiration you know, and it, it could show those possibilities. And if it doesn't, they could always reach out to me um, by phone or on email or on the website to, you know, to find out what we could do to help them. That's so inspirational. It makes me really uh, reflect, obviously, think about my own folks who uh, thankfully still live independently. My dad's 90, my mom's 88. You you know them and, and uh, they've 
been fortunate and active in their lives, but uh, things change over time, and we're starting to experience that a little bit. and And I can I can feel the pull where I want to spend more time. I want to make sure that they not only have what they need, but like you said, that they experience all that is available to them. And I just think all of us, if we self-reflect, probably could be doing more. And so I think the impact that you're having beyond the experiences you're giving to those seniors is so much broader. And, and I, and I know you, you, uh, you know that and feel that, you know, from a, uh, as I think about your career, uh, you had uh, a great career in Hollywood doing really cool stuff. Uh, so what happened there and what, what, how were you in the position to kind of leave that career and pursue this uh, nonprofit that uh, obviously is uh, making a huge difference, but, um, you know, runs, I'm sure, on a really tight budget? I was uh, fortunate enough to work about 24 years in post-production and uh, was just very lucky. I worked for two incredible people uh, who started a company called Magical Elves, and they uh, helped create uh, Top Chef, Project Runway, Project Greenlight. These were Emmy Award-winning shows, and I was just very lucky, very fortunate, and very proud to be a part of uh, that that era of, of television when reality TV kind of took off. I kind of did everything I could do, and I said to my wife, Kimberly, I mean, I started telecommuting for about eight years. Kimberly is an estate planning attorney in Indian Wells, and I would take off on Thursday night from downtown LA and then come back Monday morning. Uh, But I told her that as long as I had just, I had already lost my mom, but as long as my dad was around, I was going to stick around And uh, my bosses at the time, Dan and Jane, were, you know, incredibly supportive uh, and uh, said, well, when you're ready, just let us know. And uh, after my father passed in 2010, I I knew that, you know, I still had a lot of living to do. I was celebrating 50. I was celebrating my retirement and 24 years of uh, producing some pretty good television. But where, where was I, you know, what was I going to do to pick up the pieces? And, um, I was always the utility guy, you know, with my parents, I would sleep with my father in the hospital. I would pick up my mother from Cedars after she had, you know, uh, radiation treatment. So I was always there to help, but since they weren't around anymore, it really made sense for me to carry on that legacy. My mom was jogging six to eight miles a day with cancer. My dad was out there trying to play golf at Westchester, uh, you know, with Parkinson's and God bless him making contact every shot. But the fact that not only was he out there and we were doing this together, um, I just wanted to carry on the legacy and be able to share those kind of experiences with other, uh, with other seniors and especially those living in isolation who didn't have children or grandchildren and be that utility guy, you know, step in and recreate some of that magic that I had with my folks and 
um, you know, that is, that is my fuel. That is what, you know, I wake up with. That is what I go to bed with. And that's what I travel with, you know, every single time I go out to help fulfill a dream. Was there something in, in, uh, how, um, your mom and dad raised you that gave you these leadership capabilities? I mean, clearly you're a leader, uh, and have taken initiative all these years, um, throughout your career now in, into the nonprofit. Um, but what was it about how your parents raised you that, or did it just seem to come naturally? Well, as you know, between both of our folks, I I don't think you're going to get two better sets of parents anywhere. I I mean, between, Mm -hmm. you know, between our two families, we have a lot to be proud of. However, uh, to answer your question, I was the last of the bunch not to have kids or to be married. I was a late bloomer. So when everyone else while Wade, Mindy, and Marianne had either children or had their husband, I was single. So I was in the hospital, you know, or picking someone up from the hospital. And I just, it, it just fell on me. And although the rest of the children definitely helped out, as you know, while was out of the state, Mindy had her children, and I didn't mind, you know, I mean, I think we both have that, like, just un- you know, uh, infinite love for your parents to where there is nothing you won't do. So being that I was there for them in some of the darkest days and seeing them hooked up and going through, you know, the effects of chemo and radiation, I mean, you see it all. I saw it with my parents. I saw it with Weil. And then, you know, I, I think those leadership skills just came because when you deal with that much illness in the family, it's either sink or swim. You know, you get up, you're making breakfast, you're picking them up, you're doing all the things that need to be done. So I don't think there's a textbook on this. I think it's just a life lesson. And uh, this was the hand that I was dealt. And uh, I, I think I've turned it into something positive. Oh, there's no question about that. You know, now uh, running a nonprofit, um, as many people know, is not easy. You have a core group of uh, 15 or 16 volunteers that help you. Uh, you have a board um, that oversees what's going on. What kind of challenges have you had uh, from a leadership perspective corralling this group and keeping it all hopefully running smoothly? In uh, 2013 is when I retired from Hollywood. I was I banded together a, a uh, people I knew uh, to help me. It was remember my retirement. At, so what I did was we threw a retirement party out here in La Quinta and everyone said, well, what can I bring? I said, please, no gifts. But if you want to do something, make a donation to jump. Now, this was we were just getting off the ground and I think we survived our first year with eleven thousand dollars. Well, since then, we have grown uh, maybe about 15, 20% every year. Our first funder, God bless him, is uh, sharing Catherine Allen from uh, the Allen Foundation, part of the Berger Foundation out here. And they have been a godsend. I mean, they were really the first ones who took a chance because as you can imagine, we're not curing cancer. We are not fighting heart disease. We are not wounded warriors. So, you know, my jump is, is a bit of a tough sell. So we're 
incredibly fortunate and gracious to uh, the Allen Foundation. And then as of last year, as if the clouds parted and uh, the nonprofit gods were shining down on us, uh, Sun Communities is a pretty big company out of Detroit, and they own quite a few senior living senior living mobile home parks across the country. And they engaged us to help build their social awareness, and they have supported us uh, with, um, you know, financially as well. So the first two stories we helped do for them, the first one was out of Cathedral City, pretty, pretty close to the home, where we helped a couple renew their wedding vows, which was really cool because we've never done that before. And then a week ago, we were in Fort Myers, or actually Bradenton, Florida, where we took about 10 members of Blue Heron Pines, one of their communities down there to go race car driving. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are, I I just want to give a shout out to them because, you know, every dollar does make a difference. And when a company of that size uh, puts that much faith in an organization like us, uh, it is, you know, you really kind of know you've taken it to the next level and there is never any end to our gratitude because of that. I'm just so taken by what, what you're doing and the impact that you're making. And, uh, I know I'm going to be personally making a, a donation to jump, uh, because you have, you have found that, that, that passion and, uh, what's so, uh, impactful to me is that, you, like you said, it, it was sink or swim. You just did whatever you needed to do. This is how you're wired. Uh, it's not something you complained about. You've your family's been very fortunate. Your dad had a good business and and a great life and wonderful family, and yet you were struck with uh, tragedy multiple times. And um, beyond building your own career, you've just been so selfless um, along the way. And uh, I just hope that uh, that you can touch many, many more people, um, along the way. I know you will, you're still young. You've got, you'll get, uh, the, the word will spread about the incredible work, uh, you're doing. So let me, um, let me end with just, uh, some quick hit questions, kind of like the association game. And, uh, maybe just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind that we can share with others. Um, as you look back, is there a, a leader that you look up to? I would have to, I would really have to say my parents, you know, I, I, I don't mean to make that sound, uh, too obvious, but without their, you know, I, I wouldn't change a thing. I think I'm here for a reason. I think everyone has their path. It's a, it's a tragedy that while passed at 40, it's a tragedy that my mom passed at 56. But if, if, everything didn't happen the way it did, then I wouldn't be here today being able, being able to touch the lives of others. So I think, I think really we are destined and I, I I truly believe in God and believe that, you know, we are, uh, we can never give up faith. That's great. Um, how about a, a, a book? Is there a great book that maybe you read along the way that influenced, uh, your, your path or your, your leadership style? Um, Tuesdays with Maury was, was pretty classic. You know, uh, I think, uh, I, I'm going to take it a step further because at the, at the beginning of each presentation, I 
ask the audience how many people have know, or know what a bucket list is. And then I ask, well, how many people of you actually knew what a bucket list was before the movie with Morgan Freeman and uh, Jack Nicholson came mm-hmm. out? And it's funny because that was so monumental. So, uh, y- you know, I-, I love to read. I thank God for Kindle because I can never find a good spot in the house where like the light was good enough. But now I, I love, you know, <laughs> the adjustments of that. But uh, yeah, I think Tuesdays with Maury was kind of one of those things, one of those situations where he got to spend time with this man. And it, it certainly uh, ties into the time I had with my father and what came out of that. That's a great story. Uh, what about an all time favorite movie? You know, I I will go with uh, I love Wall Street and I love Out of Africa. I love the the love story in Out Out of Africa, but I also love the fact that in the end, uh, Robert Redford, you know, did what he had to do and he lived his life, and uh, it, it was just one of those moments of it was a beautiful story and beautifully shot. How about your favorite TV series to binge watch? Uh, that we're going to have to argue over. It's obviously between Curb and Seinfeld. And uh, I'm just rewatching season nine of Curb. And I don't know what I like better the first time around or the second. Yeah, that's a great show. And uh, you're referring to Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, uh, both are, you know, classics, obviously. And so, and lastly, what's something about you uh, that uh, a lot of people may not know? Uh, I think I've always, uh, I, I think I've always killed things with comedy, you know, uh, through all the pain that I've been through, through all the life experiences that I've uh, been through. Uh, I, I've always loved comedy. I would leave parties early uh, in high school to go watch Sarah, uh, Steve Martin host mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live. So I find myself still laughing a lot and being able to laugh with the people I meet along the way. And I think it's one of the greatest medicines uh, that God ever gave me. Yes, uh, that's absolutely true. And I can remember that sense of humor that you've had from the day I met you so many years ago. Um, Well, Webb, let me let me reflect a little bit on some of what I heard and maybe lessons that I've just learned today in the few minutes that we've had together. Uh, One, that there's life beyond the rocking chair and that that opens up a whole uh, number of topics. And and I think it's not even about the rocking chair. It's more about the fact that that we're anywhere we are in life, there's more that we can achieve. There's more than we can do. And it doesn't have to be jumping out of a plane or driving a big truck. It could be just reevaluating where we are in our career. It could be making tougher choices. It could be taking time to write a note to an old friend or spending more time with family. Um, but it's just this push to move uh, that I that I felt uh, as you were describing that. Uh, kind of having that second lease on life doesn't apply just to seniors. I mean, we all have to step back and say, am I doing what I should be doing? Am I doing what I could be doing? Am I helping others do the same? Um, you know, the story about the, the woman on the Purple Harley, incredible, or, or Lois Gold, uh, Goodman, you know, making blankets for the homeless and realize that no matter what our own state is in life, 
uh, and even those in isolation or those that are low income, etc. People just get tremendous pride out of being of service to others and giving back and uh, that at whatever age we are, we should be doing even more than that. Um, it hit me when we talked about the opportunity for uh, sons and daughters of those that are elderly to do more. We all get so busy in our lives, and I just hate to think about any senior who's living in isolation, whose family maybe doesn't spend enough time with them. And uh, as sons and daughters, I think we have an obligation to uh, realize that gifts were given to us as we grew up with our parents. And you're, in my case, wonderful folks. I'm, I'm sure most people believe they had you know, childhoods that they were proud of and parents that they had gratitude for. And we have an obligation to uh, pay it forward with them. And as inconvenient as it might be sometimes when we're raising our own kids or leading our own lives, uh, I think we have an obligation to, to do more. Uh, the idea that that some of what you did was by design, some of it was by default. This idea of you know sink or swim, uh, you were at a point in your life where maybe others in the family were were busy, had things to do, had families to raise, and you were there uh, to be able to serve uh, your dad and and uh, help him um, get that new lease on life. And and that being the inspiration for Jump is just actually an incredible story. And lastly, I would just say that um, it's been um, a joy for me to reconnect with you and to say that how, what a wonderful family I was pleased to know for so many years and and the time I spent with all of you, um, whether it was in California or with Lyle in Indiana um, up until the time he passed away and staying in touch with the family since then, uh, I know that your mom, your dad, and, and Lyle would be incredibly proud of what you're doing and what you're going to continue to do to touch people. So, uh, Webb, thank you so much for, for joining me today uh, and being on the podcast. Thank you, Paul. This was definitely one of those moments. Everybody should live for these moments. That's right. Well, thank you for joining me on this episode of the Growing With Purpose podcast. Until next time.